Welcome to Research Rundown with UIC EMBS, a research podcast by students for students. Each episode will be meeting with a UIC faculty member to discuss the exciting work they're doing and how you can get involved. Today's guest, and the very first guest of the season, is Dr. Hanana Esmalbehi from the Wearable Technology and Sensor Enhancement Lab. So Dr. Esmalbehi, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, not only that, but thank you so much for being our first guest on the Research Rundown podcast. This is very exciting. Thank you for having me and thank you for doing this series. I think it's going to be very beneficial to our student community here at UAC. Hopefully, yeah, that's the that's the goal. And I think, you know, being able to talk with you today and hear a little bit about what you do um, and what your lab does will definitely be helpful to students and definitely an interesting thing to learn about if people aren't already familiar. So um, there are a lot of things that I could ask and talk to you about in all these regards. Um, but before getting into any of that, I was really hoping that you could kind of introduce us to your research a little bit by introducing us to you, uh, just a little bit about your academic and professional background um, to get us started. So thank you. Yes, I'm Hanana Smalbegi. I, when it comes to my professional background, I went to undergrad in Iran uh, in Tehran Polytechnic. I studied biomedical engineering and electrical engineering. Then for grad school, I actually came to UIC and I worked with Dr. Patrick Bershaw in his lab. He's now uh, running a company in California, but our uh, work was focused on developing brain implants, making implants flexible so that the brain tissue actually accepts them better and doesn't reject them. And making and incorporating neurotropic factors in there so that it attracts more neurons to communicate with our devices. So that research was extremely interesting to me. I moved for a portion of it to Germany and did a little internship there, continuing developing the same types of devices. And after my PhD, I moved to Howard Hughes Medical Institute, Geneva Farm Research Campus. And I did a postdoc there, but then soon I started working as an engineer developing various different neural implants for groups doing research in neuroscience for different, various different applications. And that was extremely fun and exciting to me. But the main problem with that, in my opinion, was that uh, in my vision, seeing the result of my work coming to life would take um, a couple of years and if I wanted to have a positive impact in the life of an individual, helping them recover a lost sensory sensation, then that would take decades and might not even happen in my lifetime. So when I was starting my research laboratory, when I came back to UIC, because I was really passionate in teaching, but then I wanted to start my research laboratory, it was about the right time. And the cell phone technology was advancing, so phones were becoming smaller and smarter, hence chips and sensors were becoming smaller, more accessible and cheaper. Uh, so moving to the area of wearable technology was the right decision at the time, because now I could uh, apply the same tech that I knew in my, in my past, I had learned in the past, make small electronics, put them inside wearable technology, and do fun stuff and, and see the impact of my work come to life faster. Well, that's an amazing background. Um, and I wish we had more time for me to ask um, all the in-depth questions about those other experiences. 
But I think this brings us to a really good point to transition into that wearable technology that you kind of left off on. Um, and so, you know, your work has been um, talked about and shown in different UIC like publications and also other conferences like the Grace Hopper conference just last year. It's amazing, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure many people are already familiar to some extent with your work and the lab at UIC, but, you know, for those who aren't, um, could you tell us what the focus or goal is um, of your research lab? I know you touched on it a little bit, but kind of specifically about what we're doing um, at the Wearable Technology and Sensor Enhancement Lab, um, I think that would be a good place to start into the research aspect. For sure. Thank you, Manuela. So at the goal of our research lab is develop, to develop wearable technology that could be used either as assistive devices or as augmentative devices. But the main common feature that we want them to have in common is that they do not attract any unwanted attention. So they're as discreet as possible mm -hmm. so that they blend into our everyday life or they're hidden from everyone's vision. Because the main problem with assistive devices is the fact that if they attract any unwanted attention, then the rate of adaptation, um, adaptation of those devices drastically reduces. So with that idea in mind, we want to develop variables that are hidden from, the, from everyone's vision in a way. Uh, so our main project uh, a platform of projects that we work on are inside uh, mouth retainers. So think of them as a smart retainers. We put various different sensors inside a very fine um, kind of transparent mouth retainer and majority of it goes on the roof of the palette where we have more space and the user could use them for various different applications. Just to give you a couple of examples, mm -hmm. our most popular research and the one we started with first was for disabled individuals who do not have control of their upper limbs, who cannot swipe on their touchpad mm -hmm. and not touch a screen like we do, just to use the swipe of their tongue on top of their palate in order to be able to control the cursor. And the idea behind using that tongue, it's obviously it's hidden inside the oral cavity, so it addresses the dis discretion in hiding it from everyone's vision. But also the tongue is the muscle that is directly connected to the brain. Hence it bypasses the spinal cord. So in cases of spinal cord injuries or various different neurological diseases, it retains some of its functionality. So we, are, we have that lucky scenario where we can take advantage of the swipe of the tongue instead of a swipe of the finger on a, on a smart screen to control external devices. Mm -hmm. So that's our most basic project where everything started with. And now we're developing in collaboration uh, with Dr. Jim Patton and Sherry Ryan Ability Lab. We're developing a platform of smart retainers that could be used for speech rehabilitation. Basically, we're studying the science behind the tongue motion mm -hmm. in order to be able to figure out for various different stroke patients, Parkinson's patients, dysarthria patients, those suffering from speech impairment, how is their tongue affected? Because as you can imagine, yeah, the tongue is hidden. So studying the tongue has always been harder for us to do because it's a hidden muscle. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of papers out there about 
arm motion or leg motion, but tongue is not really explored. So we're taking a step towards that direction. Also another group of projects in our lab is putting smart sensors for tracking your vital signs mm -hmm. by the mouth container. Um, and you know, I can elaborate on a project that undergrads were involved in if that's what you're interested in. Yes, um, I mean, again, we can delve into these so much more. Um, so it's very impactful, very um, interesting work. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but like your lab is very dynamic in the sense that you do have these multiple projects going on simultaneously. So a lot of these that you mentioned, they're not um, over an extensive amount of time necessarily, but you have all these different kind of things happening all the time, which is very exciting. Um, so, um, and I know with that being said, there's so many different things to focus on, but if you can give um, maybe one of the examples that you already used or any other one to discuss um, the specific kind of responsibilities or contributions from the students working on the projects, I think that would be really helpful for students to kind of start visualizing, you know, what kind of experiences they could expect to participate in and kind of skills gained when working on these projects. Oh, for sure. And maybe just to add, add on for the audience who don't know Manuela, I've been very lucky and we've had the pleasure of having Manuela work with us in our lab for about the past year. And she's been uh, a stellar undergraduate getting involved in various different projects that we've had in the lab and making great contributions already. She managed to get a honors college grant for it. And we have a couple of hopefully good news pending. Um, so uh, just this is just one example of undergrads getting involved in the lab, and that's why you know so you. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> no, I mean, this is a good background for everyone to know. Uh, so one of the most prominent examples of a project in our lab is the Brux Alert project. So it started as an undergraduate initiative uh, where we, what we were interested in was to monitor bruxism and address the habitual um, interactions and causes of bruxism. So bruxism is when, in a more simple term, it's when you apply a lot of pressure to your teeth as, as you are trying to focus or you go passively throughout your day without actually noticing it. So at night, there are a couple of solutions for it, like night guards that are mm -hmm. really common commonly used. But for those of us, including myself, who suffer from it during daily, daily interaction, what we worked on as a group of undergrads who started this initiative and continue developing it is for when one is applying pressure to their teeth for a period of time and they're not removing that pressure, basically a haptic motor alerts them of the action that they're taking. So they so we've done um, a brief study where it shows that wearing this device could actually train the user to reduce the amount of times they perform the act of punching their teeth together, which could result in migraines, gum recessions, and various fun things that we're trying to avoid. So for this project, a group of undergraduates in my lab won the venture well. Uh, um, award. Basically, they got some money to further develop this device, and they actually had an opportunity to go tra through training 
in uh, starting a startup and developing business models according to it. So that was a very fun experience for those students. They also won, um, were, were selected to present this at the John Hopkins um, uh, symposium. It was a competition there. Also another example where Manuela has heavily been involved in is developing patches uh, that are flexible. They can track one, one's eye motion, which is in collaboration uh, with College of Psychology, uh, um, um, Department of Psychology, and we're still further developing that. But Manuela is a, is a great example because she got involved in various different projects in my lab. Another project is uh, developing an attachment, a universal attachment for, for wheelchairs in order to be able to control it with our tongue trackpad system. And we call that our tongue drive system. Um, which is also another initiative that undergrads are heavily involved in. So our lab is very friendly to undergrads getting involved from bioengineering, computer science, and ECE department. And now we're having a new member from mechanical engineering department. So we are very open to um, students with various different backgrounds, but interest in developing these type of technologies to come and join us because we do so many different uh, tech that we could use all expertise. Yeah, so I think that um, interdisciplinary aspect to the work that you mentioned is alone a really amazing opportunity to get involved in research and specifically your lab because of these different departments that come together. Uh, I know from my own experience, those different perspectives and ideas for contributions towards the processes of these projects and different solutions are usually very pivotal to making that progress happen. So on that note alone, I think that's a very exciting opportunity um, and one that I definitely uh, enjoyed very much. Um, you know, you get to work with people that you haven't before and you wouldn't get to normally interact with. So um, I think that lab environment is really great. I think on that note too, just a little bit more about that lab environment. Um, what could students expect to um, kind of get involved with in that sense. I know you mentioned there's undergrads. Is it primarily undergrads? Or could you tell us a little bit more for the students interested about how that looks, um, you know, between grade levels? You mentioned the different departments. Are these like UIC students? Um, just kind of elaborate on that a little bit more, how that looks for um, working together in that lab. For sure. Uh, so we have graduate students involved in our lab heavily. We have master's students and PhD students working on their long-term projects. Uh, and we have undergraduate students. But throughout times, our lab has been very friendly to undergraduate students. So uh, a lot of our, my graduate team members are actually UIC undergrads who just really enjoyed the project and stayed on for longer. Um, so that's a privilege of getting to know someone from their undergraduate and, you know, building that collaboration together so that they can continue on to their graduate program. Um, and uh, in terms of, uh, yes, majority of the students that we've had so far, to be exact, all of the students we've had so far are UIC students. Um, the majority have been bioengineering, but we've always had a really good number of computer science and um, 
uh, electrical engineering students involved in our lab. We have examples of those who graduated and are now working in industry, but are so passionate about our projects. They still contribute heavily to our projects. So we're very lucky in that front. Um, and now we're getting mechanical engineers. So that would be a first for us. And in general, the environment of the lab is the students um, interact very well with one another and they seem to build lasting friendships and collaboration from it, which I truly enjoy personally. Great. So kind of shifting over to, um, I would say like your expectations for, you know, bringing in these students to build these collaborations and make these successful projects. Is there anything that you look for in students looking to get involved in terms of experience or skill, technical or non-technical? Just generally, is there um, something in that sense that you find is helpful in uh, being successful in the lab? Mm, for sure. Uh, so the main, uh, the important thing that I always say is that if you enjoy the project, then it doesn't seem like work. Because mm -hmm. obviously we are all very busy and we have courses going on and classes going on. So this would be something that we're doing outside of our classroom to build our resume, right? And to address our passion. So if you have that passion, then you'll be enjoying every single second of it. Mm -hmm. So that passion is the most important thing that I am personally looking for because the skill set involved in our lab, you can teach. In fact, I teach the wearable technology uh, laboratory course. It's BME 494, soon to be 479, and it's shared with CS, so it's CS 494, soon to be CS 479, where if you actually take that course, you gain a skill set that we heavily utilize in our lab. But in general, for those who have not taken that course, we also uh, teach that skill set. So there's a period of training involved in our lab with our work that we do. Uh, but if you have that passion, um, that takes you far. So that's the main thing I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And a commitment to research, wanting to see the result of your work come to life and making a positive impact as a result of that. I think that's also a very unique opportunity to get to go into a lab without uh, necessarily all the experience and learn those skills to really progress. So um, that I think for anyone interested in getting involved from the start is really good news. I think that was something that was, I think, intimidating for me getting started is mm -hmm. not knowing when to get started because you don't have those skills um, built yet. So I think that is definitely um, good to hear. Um, and I think people definitely appreciate that the work you're doing is amazing. So those are very useful skills to have. Um, and Just on that note, uh, do you mind, I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but do you <laughs> mind sharing uh, your experience on how you actually got involved in research and encourage those of us who are thinking about it? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, the tables are turning a little bit. <laughs> Uh, of course, I originally got started um, by approaching a professor. So I, at UIC, began my um, experiences in research in Orbit Lab at the Innovation Center with Dr. Felder. Um, and it was, I, I think I've worked with him on other projects and he was the um, advisor for an organization that I was involved with. Um, and when I knew I wanted to start building those skills and getting that experience, I approached him and we had a conversation about that. Um, I 
started coming to lab meetings and just getting more um, familiar with the work and seeing if it's a fit for me, if I'm a fit for the lab and kind of went from there. And I think moving forward, um, every opportunity that I've had a similar situation, I um, approached the professor kind of understood more of the work that they're doing and seeing how I could contribute, um, if I can fit. And then um, I think part of that is what you mentioned, that passion, kind of having that interest. I think that's very important to be intentional with what you do and what you're involved with. I think that's how you benefit the most and how you have the best experiences in these very difficult um, and very sometimes demanding projects, but they're worth it if it's something that you want to do. So um, I think, yeah, a lot of it is just the approach and knowing that that's something that you're interested in getting involved with, um, which is why it's so great to hear this perspective from professors and hopefully understand better how students could make that connection if they're interested in maybe haven't taken a class with you or don't know you to be able to do that, but love the work. So uh, thank you again for being able to provide that opportunity. For sure. And thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for all the nice things that you're saying. <laughs> yeah, well, they're true. <laughs> um, so kind of, I guess, leaning off of that, if um, students are looking to get involved in your lab and would like to begin their research in uh, wearable technology, and again, specifically in the wearable technology and sensor enhancement lab, um, what would your kind of initial piece of advice be? What do you suggest that students do, whether it's to reach out to you or how to get in contact or should they prepare anything? Um, kind of what is that advice for students to make that initial contact? For sure. So the best approach would be to check out our website, have a little bit of understanding of what we are doing, listen to this podcast and see if this sounds interesting for you. And then just email me, but make sure you attach your resume and make sure you are specifying why you're interested in a certain lab that you are applying to. Because everyone is looking for a reason to understand why a certain per person who's reaching out to them might be interested in their work. So include a CV that shows your background, but don't be intimidated by it if you do not have a lot of research experience, because we all have to start somewhere. But at the same time, display your passion is what is important. Okay, thank you so much. Um, hopefully, you know, this will help people get over that any sort of initial fear and reach out and, and get involved. And um, if it's all right with you, I'll be sharing your contact information and the lab's information along with this episode for anyone that would like to learn more about the work that you're doing and any um, projects that are ongoing to um, kind of get more involved within the wearable technology field. Thank you, Manuela. Yes, for sure. I would truly appreciate that. And um, I look forward to meeting the future generation of students who will come through our lab. And, you know, our experience working with you has been truly amazing. So I'm hoping that these podcasts will help uh, proceed that um, line of work, essentially. Thank you again, Dr. Esma Behi. Well, that wraps up our very first episode. For our next episode, we'll be meeting with Dr. Jim Patton from the Robotics Lab as Shirley Ryan. To make sure you don't miss it or any other future episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit our website, embs.students.uic.edu, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, view our events calendar, and learn more about EMBS. This is Research Rundown with UIC EMBS. 